podcast with me phil and me paul and on this week's show we're going to go back to the world of big finish and the world of audio and this time we're going to look at a seventh doctor story the dark flame we remembered the title of it this week yes (laughs) yes because we were so dazzled by all the the amount of news we had to bring you last uh last time round, and uh unfortunately this week we've sort of well we sort of um Blow ourselves out last week with the news. Didn't say, we? It's boom and boom or bust with us, isn't it? It <laughs> is actually all or nothing, all or nothing. So last week you got it all. This week you've got nothing because there is hardly any news to um, to discuss. And we're now regretting that we didn't sort of save back some of Omega's tech corner for this week. But so, uh, it'd, it'd have been past its sell by date by now. I think it would have been actually. But ah oh, well, oh, well, such is life. Such is life. So. Let's discuss what is in the news, or what we found in the news anyway. And one thing that did crop up, they, a load of um, old British Pathé newsreels have been found, uh, that have, or been released rather, I should say, uh, that contain sort of Doctor Who newsreels as well. Now, have you had a chance to watch any of these, Paul? I, must admit, I, I haven't. No, me neither. The one that does interest me the most, though, um, is the, the, <laughs> the Waistcoat Club. Also known as Waistcoats for Women, which features a very, very young... John Pertwee and Jean Marsh, who were obviously married at the time, and also a young uh, Peter Cushing, wearing some very, very snazzy waistcoats. I must, I must add, I must add there. They look absolutely fan- very dapper. I would say. Wouldn't expect anything else. Well, certainly not from Pertwee. Certainly not from Pertwee. But I just can't believe how young he looks in this little still that I've seen of it. I actually can't believe how young Jean Marsh looks as well. It's going definitely going for the quiff there, isn't it? As well? Oh yes, oh yes, definitely. And uh, I say, I, I mean, as usual, Cushing is looking mightily dapper as as well. Yes, you can't speak anything. Also, just not the keyboard. Uh, yes, you can't speak anything else uh, from him there either. Uh, but there's also some other little uh, newsreels as well, um, which are, must be a very tenuous links to Doctor Who, really, aren't they? You've got. Uh, a Dalek named Dodger selling university rag mags in Coventry in 1964. A homemade Dalek plus a robot in someone's back garden. It's um, very much of its times, all I can say. Yes. They obviously had slow news weeks as well. <laughs> it's probably quite fitting this story arrives. This I think it must be. And there's also one um, that shows um, an exhibition it's the Schoolboys and Girls Exhibition at Olympia in, I think it's about 1967-68, which features a Cyberman and a Yeti as well. So, yeah, this, it's just interesting little things. And it's sort of, um, I mean, it just goes to show the sort of like, the, the weird eclectic sort of stuff that British Pathé used to cover. Hmm. Basically, just to fill up time between the, uh, <laughs> them changing the reels on the, on, on the B-movie, wasn't it, the cinema in those days. But uh... I'm just wondering why in the 60s, late 60s, uh, well, 67-68, those uh, those bothering having an exhibition to sell schoolboys and girls. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously the forerunner of the BBC in the seventies. I don't uh, know. Oh, <laughs> a different age, Paul. A different age. <laughs> <laughs> they always say, "Oh, they, them's were more innocent times." I don't think so. To well, be honest, not right. what's come out lately. Um, now, after following from the um, what is commonly known as fictitious awards, there are more fictitious awards this week. And the 2014 Hugo nominations, 
have come out. Um, actually, last Sunday, actually, they released the last week's podcast. And uh, Doctor Who dominates the nominations, it says here. And um, basically, it's been nominated in Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. And in no particular order, uh, The Day of the Doctor, uh, The Name of the Doctor, uh, The Five-ish Doctors Reboot, and Adventure in Space and Time. Yeah, I think all thoroughly deserved. I think so. And to be honest, if you're not going to do it in your 50th year when you're actually doing special programmes, if you're not going to dominate it then, then actually you can say that actually the 50th would have been a disaster, really. Indeed, yeah. I'd I'd agree with that, actually. I would agree with that. But it's not just also, uh, not only, I should say, uh, the TV work that's been nominated here. Um, Also nominated is the book Queers Dig Time Lords, a celebration of Doctor Who by the LGBTQ fans who love it, which has been published by Mad Norwegian Press, and that's nominated in the Best Related Work category. Uh, And also The Girl Who Loved Doctor Who, written by Paul Cornell and illustrated by Jimmy Broxton, has been nominated for Best Graphic Novel. And representing the world of podcasts, uh, in the best fan cast category, we have Verity have been nominated. So, uh, well done to them. Yes. So, well done. Uh, it's nice to see that um, <laughs> it's sort of Doctor Who podcast has made it in there. Yeah. Really? Well, I, again, it's a, it's a quite saturated market. If, if somebody's not getting in there, something's wrong. Well, I think it's a case of it, to, to get your, your head above, as you say, that saturated market. Um, you, you, you've got to go some, really, haven't you? Yeah. You know, so I think it's, what is it out? I don't know any Doctor Who podcasts. Well, I, I know there's 80 plus in the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, so there must be others out there who aren't a member of that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a few. It's a fair few. It's a fair few. Now, finally, in the news, and as it is a slow news week, actually. We decided, you know, uh, for the first time in a long time, to report on uh, John Barrowman's weekly pleas uh, to go back on Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, um, this is it, isn't it? It's it's a case of you can always bank on the fact that he's asking to go back into Doctor Who, and you're just waiting for the news to be that slow. Indeed. <laughs> now we found this um, this particular story via Den of Geek, and basically he's been chatting about the future of Torchwood and uh, and Captain Jack. And the one thing that amazed me, actually, was a Torch of Miracle Day was 2011. Yeah. It's nearly three years ago. I can't, I can't believe how, you know, how long... Actually, actually, I can believe it because that's how long <laughs> we've been podcasting because that's when we started doing gonna... two episodes a week back then, wasn't it? So, when that... I, say, I can't believe I still can't get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe I wasted 10 hours of my life on that. We seem, <laughs> we seem to be out of step with a lot of people on that uh, program. A lot of people loved it, and we, I I didn't like it at all. You you hated it less than I did. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, I think that's the definition. Yes, you you were a bit more measured in your cri- in your critique, if I uh, remember rightly. But uh, I thought it had some good points. You just didn't, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but basically, he was um, interviewed by NerdBastards.com. What a fantastic website name. Um, and he was asked if he would thought he'd play Captain Jack for the last time, and he admitted he's got absolutely no idea, and it's a decision for the BBC. And he says he does go around to conventions, and he sees the humongous following that they that Torchwood has, and there's still a hunger for Torchwood. And he's also said if he's asked to play Captain Jack again, because um, he's appearing in Arrow at yeah. the moment, and he's he said this before actually that the producers. Had already said to him that if he if he was asked to go back to Torchwood or Doctor Who, 
they would let him do that. So, um, and he still thinks there's lots more to explore in Captain Jack's story. There probably is, actually. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I don't think he would have he would have been right with Matt Smith, to be honest. Um, what about Peter Capaldi, though, as he's an older doctor? Yeah, what well, you're thinking, perhaps more back to needing an action man sidekick. Yeah, I mean, I know Peter Capaldi's not um, an ancient 55-year-old, um, you know, like uh, uh, Hartnell was. Yeah, back in the day, but because um, you you did have um, William Russell sort of shouldering the burden of the action stuff, the physical, physical, yeah. yeah. So, um, do you reckon that that could work? It probably could actually. Obviously, we don't know anything about Capaldi's Doctor yet, but um, no. yeah, I mean, I would like to see Captain Jack back in Doctor Who. I've got to be. I know we sort of yeah, ribbing this story a little bit here, but I wouldn't mind seeing him back in it again, more so than I would do another series of Torchwood, put it that way. Well, I mean, no, if we, we could have another Children of Earth, I don't think anyone would be complaining. No, no, just not another Miracle Day. Yeah. Yeah, because as far as I'm concerned, um, Torchwood is a British show. It should remain a British show. That's just me being very, very blinkered and small-minded there, I know, but uh, I would prefer it to be... Because it is a very British thing. It's a very... Actually, it's a very Welsh thing, to be honest. It didn't feel right outside of Wales. Um, it, it, it just needs... I think it needs smaller stories. That was just too big a story. I know, I know Children of Earth is, but Children of Earth concentrated on the character. Yeah. Whereas that seems to just lose itself somewhere in the story and being too grandiose. Yeah. And very disjointed. It didn't feel like Torchwood because they basically sort of... I know at the end of uh, Children of Earth that Torchwood was, was effectively disbanded. And pushing them back together in Miracle, they found, it, to me, it felt a little bit false because as soon as they, they sort of were brought back together in the first episodes, they were shipped off to the States and then split up again. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't feel no, like. It just didn't feel like Torchwood. Yeah, as no. you say, it could have been just any generic sci-fi program. Yeah, and the, well, I know we, we've gone through this again. As it's a slow news week, I'm just regurgitating the same old crap now from nearly three we're years ago. Gonna, we're now going <laughs> to go through all ten episodes again. <laughs> Would you know what? I often think, is it worth re, re, you know, revisiting Miracle Day? And I, and I just come to the conclusion, no, it's not. <laughs> so. <laughs> Very, very quickly comes to that conclusion. <laughs> you come to the conclusion you'd rather lose a leg. Yes, you? indeed, indeed. <laughs> right, well, that is that is it for the news this week. We've got we've got nothing else. I think we padded out as long as we can do. <laughs> yes. I ran out of things to say about um, Captain Jack and Torchwood now. So, okay, right. So coming up next is our review of the Dark Flame from Big Finish. So for another week, then that was the news. Right then everyone, it's time once more to delve back into the world of the audio story and another big finished title, this one is called The Dark Flame How interesting There was a kind of cult that used to exist a while back Um, It was called The Cult of the Dark Flame Yes, they used to worship an energy being from another universe I seem to recall I may have the body of a weak human, but I have the mind of the emissary of the Dark Flame. So pleased to meet you, Doctor. Doctor. 
thinking something's happened to him. And I believe it's your turn to kick off first this week, Paul. Yes. Um, I don't know what I make of this. Right. It's it's okay, but mm. not one that I'm particularly infused about, I have to say. Okay. I what? started to find problems with it that I didn't like, but which I probably would have, wouldn't have done if I'd really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I'm going to go one one better than that and say I really didn't care for this one at all. No? To be honest, I really didn't care for it. I, I it's just, cer- certainly one the more I think about it, the less I like it. Which yeah, is... it had absolutely no atmosphere at all. And for an audio story, it didn't for me anyway, and I think for an audio story, that's a... That's a cardinal sin. Yeah. There was no... You could say that's because it was on a space station and underground. Well, it was, but there was no soundscape to it. No. You didn't get a sense of where anybody was. Yeah, you actually, you actually, apart from the math actually telling that they'd gone through the transporter thing, mm. you couldn't tell whether they was on the space station or in the caves, could you? No. There was, there was no difference between the two. I mean, I would have thought in the caves would have put a bit of echo on, perhaps... Yeah. You know, uh, I I just didn't really care for it at all. I thought it really, really uh, underwhelming. I would yeah. say that. I think it's the best way I could describe this. It was underwhelming, uh, and that that's not just the only my only problem with it. I mean, um, and and the fact the only character you actually care for is the robot. I know. Yes, which says a lot. Joseph. For the rest of the character. Yes, Joseph yeah. the robot. Uh, yeah, that that I mean that's saying something really. When the only thing you care about is the robot, I mean it's um, yeah. I, I found a lot of the characters all sounded the same. I had a lot of difficulty trying to establish who was who. Uh, I think that was just down to the people who were cast, really, because they all seemed to be playing it exactly the same. There was yeah, there was a lot of level pitched voices, wasn't there? Yeah, sort of very very low and and measured and calm like that it was all all very much like that and it it was i'd say i had a very difficult time in understanding who was who and the only time you didn't was with joseph because he had a, a robot sounding voice didn't he yeah <laughs> yeah probably why he's jaunting yeah i know that, that is indeed um i think this is the first story we've covered with Bernice summerfield isn't it it is and I had difficulty distinguishing between her and the character of Lomar. Yeah, I, th- I think that was actually the one of the major problems in terms of what you're saying. Is exactly what I what I was thinking there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, actually, I mean, I mean, before we get more into the you know the, the cast and everything, um, I mean, what do you think about the story itself? Like the, this this cult of the dark flame that had sort of come from another another universe and sort of you know reanimating the dead. And I. I- didn't mind the idea. I just started the more. It's like I say, the more afterwards you started thinking about it, the more you realise it just didn't seem to make any sense to me. Um, because if you're taking that Slide and Lomar were being possessed by um, the Dark Flame, mm. then are you saying that that can live without a body? Although it only really seems to come into its uh, own when it takes over. Remnix's body. Well, it's, but, it's, it's all to do with this experiment, is which the doctor's there to, yeah, um, to, to sort of like oversee. Yeah, but, um, but to be honest, you know. to have worked, I felt either Slide or Lomar had to be 
in their own right, a member of the cult of the Dark Flame, rather than just being possessed. Yeah, because the only one that was actually possessed really was... I know. Okay, we're going into spoiler territory now, folks. Yeah. So, um, which, which we always do. We always do, so we always, always give, give the warning anyway. But um, I think the only person who was actually possessed, or living person that was possessed... Well, not even possessed, really, was it? It was was Benice Summerfield, but it wasn't. It wasn't possession as such, was it? Because he could only he could only sort of reanimate the dead. That's why he was able to inhabit uh, Remnex's corpse. Yeah, but but and, it, and even then, you've got it, Lomar is 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 possessed. Well, is Must she, be from well, is start. She, is she actually possessed or just sort of um, her mind sort of clouded? Um, but by, by Villas Kroll. I, no, I think. Well, I mean, I think all her actions are his, or or for him. It's that, not her own free will that she's doing anything. Be, because for. because it's established that Villas Kroll is just the the Dark Flames emissary. Yeah, and, and it's Villas Kroll who's controlling people rather than and than the Dark Flame. Because yeah. at the end, the Doctor uses so the, that, so use the Dark Flame against saying, him, doesn't he? Before so. they even find the skull, yeah, he's able to control people. Yeah. And he's, he's just uh, using that the power of the Dark Flame to achieve that, isn't he? It, it, it appears yeah. to me that the Dark Flame can be used for any purpose. Because at, I mean, at the end, the Doctor used it against him. Yeah, but you just get this you know. feeling of, well, so what we're saying is this actual being can exist without a body. Then why bother with a body? Well, you had this whole thing with the skull of Villas Kroll, didn't you? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean that for that to rhyme. It just did. The skull of Villas Kroll. Um, and to me, that... That sounded like the image of the Fendal. To a certain extent, yes. You know, that that was like the, the, the main source of the the power, as it were, wasn't it? But but everything's happened before they found the skull. Hmm. Or most of it's happened before they found the skull. Yeah. And to a large extent, other than being part of the ceremony to in which he can then inhabit Remnicks. The skull then takes a back seat again until it's used as the whatever it is control device. Yeah, it's not actually used by Kroll as a for any other purpose, really. Not really. I, that's also. I mean, it, it's a it's a pretty when you sort of sort of think back on it, it's actually a, quite a slight story. Yeah, I mean, I can understand um, the butler bloke who's in the caves. That makes sense that he's there, left there, and he's actually a member of the cult of the Dark Flame. Mm. It's left. And it doesn't really matter whether Kroll comes back or not. He's still going to be there. Yeah, that's right. Kroll has any power. And it would have been, I think, better if either Slide or Loma had been also a member of the cult and had been manoeuvring things to bring back Kroll. But yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know it's exactly the fact what you mean. that it seems yeah. to be. It's actually the ending of this. Now, this is really. All right, so we're now really going straight for the spoiler bit. <laughs> okay. And it's the fact that it tries to end up with a everybody's okay ending that I just don't think works. Well, the, the Doctor does kind of rewrite time, doesn't he? Yeah. Even though the character of Ren Next is still dead at the end. Rather, said, uh, and and Victor is as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, rather than being um, sort of viciously murdered, he dies peacefully in his sleep. Yeah, which is fine. It's the whole thing of you know he 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 had to die, whatever. Yeah, he, you know, deciding life and death is too big a exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's fine. But yeah. but really, the fact that then you sort of get Lomar is back to going to be back to being a normal person, and they say, well, Slide perhaps is 
slightly odd, but is not necessarily the killer that he's made out. So they're they're back and fine, you know. It's just a bit all too nicely wrapped up at the end. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, and I actually felt this story had no surprises either, because the character of Slides is um, well, he's played by um, Michael Prade. Of course, of course, and. Um, he, he plays it like you know um, what's the, the, the was it Snidely Whiplash what the, the hell the that you know what sort of mean the sort of like the, a, a, a moustache twirling villain yes um, and there's no surprise there's no surprise to, to discover that he is the bad guy of the piece there's there's actually no surprise there at all it was it was so signposted and I suppose the only sort of shock was that Lomar was also on the side of evil as well yeah. That that did come as a surprise, but the character of Slide was was just completely. Um... Well, the only the only surprise yeah. with the character of Slide is at the end, where you find out that he's actually not doing it of his own free will. Yeah, that's it. So you actually get the feeling that he is. But it was just the way that the the um, Michael Prades line delivery was. Um, it, it was it was it was sinister from the off, wasn't it? Yeah. There was absolutely, as I say, no surprises there whatsoever. Um, and the first thing when they find the body is to blame the doctor. And... Indeed, yeah, yeah. It was it was very strange, Ooh. very strange. Um, but apparently, this was um, this story was it's billed as a sidestep into Virgin territory, which means it's based on one of the Virgin books, which I must admit I've never read, and it might explain some of the, I call it some of the more gory details. Yeah, it, it does. It does seem to go slightly unnecessary with uh, Benice and the skull, doesn't it? Yeah, and the whole thing with Remnix and his attitude to her. Well, it's it's not that it's, it's, it's Remnix the way the manner of Remnix's death. He's stabbed through the eye. Yeah, and they make a great big thing about that, don't they? Yeah. Um, which I don't. I, I mean, I must admit we haven't listened to enough Big Finish. I think, but I think what I've listened to so far. I don't think any other big finish story would actually go that far. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, I, haven't, I haven't listened and, to and that the many. But... Where, where it make, where where Remnex makes her kiss the skull. Yeah, is is rather unnecessarily. Yes, yeah, very odd. Yeah, very odd. Very odd indeed. Um, the, the only thing about him being stabbed through the eye mm. is you do get the occasional line with the when he's trying to hypnotise or take over Benice. He says, "Look me in the eyes," and she goes, "You've only got one." Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> it was the payoff to that line, I suppose. It was. <laughs> now, the other thing as well um, is this is an uh, an older ace we're meeting as well, isn't it? Because I think this is this is what happened in the Virgin book. She she has a, a bit of time away from the Seventh Doctor and sort of becomes a well a soldier, basically, doesn't she? She's, she's a, a Dalek killer. Yeah. Well, to a certain extent, Do- ace is... Role was always heading that way, wasn't it? To a large, it was extent. really, yeah. Because um, I know that wasn't it the original plan for her was the Doctor was sort of gearing up for a, a career at the um, at the Academy on Gallifrey, yeah, to become a Time Lord. So, um, but no, th- I think this makes more sense. Yeah, and she yeah. And, and and I think this fits that character quite well. Mm. Actually, I liked Sophie Aldred's um, in this. Actually, yeah, I really did. And that actually, there was that other like quite sort of sinister bit where Bernice is um, possessed, and, and she gives, her. yeah, she beats the crap out of Ace, doesn't she? Yeah, and so she'd be looking forward to 
to, to doing this as well. And, and, and that, that scene you felt, actually, they took great pleasure in as well, didn't they? In it, which could have been just a much quicker scene. Yeah, because... a couple of hits, but it just really went into... No, and also, it was also sort of established afterwards that the the um, corpses, or the reanimated skeletons, I should say, of Phyllis Kroll's um, previous followers were actually holding Ace while police yeah. punched the crap out of her. So, yeah. Yeah, very, very... Um, yeah, they, they did sort of labour the point on that one, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. But um, but what about Sylvester McCoy? Because this, this is probably my biggest problem with this, and it's Sylvester McCoy's performance, which I thought was dire. It didn't really have a lot for him to get his teeth into, did it? Other than saying Remnicks. <laughs> well, it, it, well, it wasn't that so much. He was just rattling through the the, the dialogue. I think, I think uh, actually uh, the other uh, thing I had with the problem you know. with this is also this story sort of didn't really want to get into the... You had... The, it, it felt it had to explain what was going on. Mm. But didn't quite think it could explain what was going on. So I sort of dressed it up in a... Oh, well, it's all complicated and you won't understand. And they're almost telling the listener that, oh, you won't understand this. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there so, was so any, any yeah, holes in this that you don't like is because you don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, there's an element of that as well. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I think that was a lot of his lines actually were. Well, it was, but it, it, was, just, it was just his delivery of them. It was, it was like he, he um, and I, I don't want to jump on the um, I hate Sylvester McCoy bandwagon, uh, bandwagon because I'm not, I'm not part of that. I actually do enjoy McCoy as, as the Doctor, but I just think in this. There was something off about his performance. I mean, really off, and I didn't enjoy it whatsoever. No, and I sort of know what you mean. I, I just don't think it was just a great story from the Doctor's point of view. It was more Ace's story, to be honest. I think. Well, it, um, I'm not beginning to wonder if it was that, or it was, it was meant to lean more towards Bernice Summerfield. Yeah, because by the, the impression I got from this, they'd been sort of separated for some time. Yeah. And they were going back to, to see her again after, after a while. So I think it was an ace and Benice were meant to be great friends. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's it sort of meant to be sort of Benice and, and, and Ace's story. Yeah, and, and rather than his. Yeah. And he's just really there at some points just to be all brooding and whatever and try to explain bits away rather than actually having much to do. Not until right at the end, mm. as you say, when they're, when he's trying to lure him into, well, taking him on while they're holding the skull. Yeah. That's the only real part where the Doctor really comes into it. Yeah, I mean, there was also... I mean, I, there was... I mean, because I mean, it's, it's usually Ace that's explaining what the plans are. Usually, yeah. Well, there, there was there was one thing I sort of did like about this, and I thought that, 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 that at certain times it did feel the Doctor was in genuine peril. Yeah. Uh, like especially, I think it was the first time that uh, Villas Cole tries to enter the Doctor's mind, and that then the Doctor is in, in a lot of well pain, basically, isn't he? Yeah. And he's really struggling to to resist it, and the only way that sort of they sort of save his life, basically, is Ace knocks him out. Yeah, because he's dead. They, they've worked out in advance that he's not, not once he's got to a certain level of power. Yeah. There's not really much, but then then you sort of get the back bit to so the next bit on. Mm. When the Doctor wakes up, Kroll doesn't try to take over again, which you'd have thought would have been exactly the... The thing you would have done first done. thing, yeah. 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 He takes him on in this game of, 
who's the best. Yeah, exactly. Rather than just say, no, squat you, squat you like a fly and move on. Yeah, he just doesn't... Yeah, it's, just, it's sort of... Sort of plot thread sort of picked up and then dropped when it when it suited. Yeah. Really. A bit like... Um, or slide, really. Yeah. You know, because he, he was sort of... Um, he had more than enough opportunity to, to do what he wanted what he wanted to do very early in the story to be honest it took him to like episode three i think to actually or the end of the tour towards it was in episode two or three or beginning of three that he, he'd sort of his plans finally come to fruition it did take a while to to get going that in that respect even though you knew because of the way uh, that michael prayed was playing him you knew already he was the villain yeah Oh, I mean, for, for what was supposed to have been a very well-planned uh, trap by them, they didn't seem to know what they was doing, did they? Not really. Not really, no. It, it, it just it just wasn't that great a story, was it? Let's, let's be perfectly perfectly honest. It just wasn't that great a story. Um, no. And I'm, I'm kind of disappointed, because, I, I mean, um, when we were deciding on what to do... You you run off a few titles and I, 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 I gave you some options. You gave me some <laughs> options and I was the one who picked this story. So because I thought I like the sound of the Dark Flame. That sounds that sounds really, really good. It sounds a bit more sort of mysterious. And I thought it would be a good Seventh Doctor story. Obviously, don't judge an audio book by its cover. <laughs> no, no, I think you're uh, you're absolutely spot on there. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I just found it to be a big, big disappointment. Yeah. I really did. I really did find it a big disappointment. I, 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 it, it was okay. I know I wasn't. Um, I didn't feel like I'd wasted the time listening to it. Just not necessarily something I'd listen to again. And then obviously, because I'm thinking about it from a point of view of talking about it on this, mm. you start to think, "Oh no, actually, I didn't really like that bit, and I didn't like that bit, and I can't make sense of that bit." Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think when you, you've got a story like that. Um, you just need to either listen to it, enjoy it, and go away from it. Yeah. Really. And yeah. unfortunately, we haven't. We haven't, no, no. Um, and I don't think I'll be listening to this at any, any time soon, no. to, to be perfectly honest. So, okay. Um, is, are, we, are we finished on, on that? I think I've, I've said I think, on, yeah. I think, I think we are, probably, yeah. Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, ah, disappointing. Disappointing. I, I, I hate to sort of like that's We're, we're down on two. Um, Two Doctor Who things in a row now, aren't we? After uh, last the Time Lords last week. Yeah, I mean that was that was more of a given, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Ah, oh, dear. Well, hopefully next week we'll have we'll have a better time uh, because we're going back into the world of uh, novelizations and the world of Target books again. And you've picked this one, haven't you, Paul? Yes. Yeah. And would you like to announce to the lovely ladies and gentlemen what we shall be reviewing next week? We are doing Image of the Fendal. Yes. Now, it's actually... Um, it's a story you particularly like, isn't it? I do, yes. Yes, okay. So, um, hopefully the book will prove um, an interesting take on it. This is the only thing is I'm slightly worried that whether the book is going to uh, live up to the dramatisation. Mm. Well, this one's written by Terence Dix, and he's usually good, but I think the last Terence Dix book we reviewed, it wasn't that great, was it? No. No. So, fingers crossed for next week, then. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay, everybody, well, that just about wraps it up, so it just leaves us to say it's a goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye.
were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who podcast alliance. Thank you.